Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. Let me ask you this. Have you ever, um, I don't know, like watch a movie or a show um, with like your, your spouse or a friend and you guys watch the same exact movie or same show and at the end of it talked about it and you guys got completely different like views of that show, right? Anybody that ever happened? I think mainly for me and my wife, it'll be more like we're on the couch together and um, I send her a reel that I like cried laughing, right? Like some video on Instagram or something that made me cry from laughter. I send that to her and then kind of wait to see her response. She like, she watches it and don't even get like a giggle, right? Anybody ever been there before? Like nothing even happened. She like looked at me like I'm an idiot, right? Like, why did I marry you, right? Why do you think that's funny? But how many of you know, like we can see the same thing, but get very different views and different um, opinions, different outcomes, right? We, we've all been in that kind of scenario. That's what's happening today in our scripture. Find yourself in Mark chapter 9. Um, we've been in this series um, uh, in Mark, and I hope that it's been good for you as it has been for me. But what we're going to see is Jesus is um, just coming down from a mountaintop moment, right, in, in, um, just in the beginning of this chapter. And if you grew up in church, it's called the Transfiguration, where Jesus goes up um, with a few select of his disciples, and he has this crazy experience with God where God affirms him again, like, this is my son. And, and Jesus just has this, this special moment where he comes down from the mountain glowing, right? He's changed. He's ready to do the thing that he came here to do, um, which would be die for us. But as he comes down from this mountaintop, he finds himself in front of a large crowd of people arguing and yelling. And, and he sees his disciples. He sees these scribes. And then he sees a father with a son um, who, who's demon possessed. And, and, and all of a sudden, ministry is about to take off. Like it's about to go down in this scenario. But in this story, we're going to see Jesus do ministry with a father and a son. And in the same exact moment, same story, same everything, he's also going to do ministry with his disciples. And there's going to be two different outcomes from the same story. And I'm really excited because I, I feel like this morning in a room this size with this many people, you might relate to either one of those people, maybe the father and the son, or maybe the group of disciples. And so let's pray because listen, I've never, um, the first time I ever preached, I've been preaching for a long time. And this is the first time I've ever got to preach Mark chapter nine. And you're going to see why. So let's pray. And then we're going to dig in. Y'all ready? Say, I'm ready. All right, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. We thank you for um, a place to come and, and worship and to be with church family. Um, Lord, I pray that this morning that you would just move. Lord, we got to celebrate how you uh, moved through those two young men and, and they followed through baptism. God, what a perfect example of, of, of surrender and mission, God. But I pray that as we open up your word, that you make it clear, help us to understand it, God. But more importantly, help us to apply it to our life. We love you, Jesus, and in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. All right, disclaimer. What we're, what we're going to be talking about, there is some demon possession in the scripture, right? I think that's why um, David asked me to preach this Sunday, all right? So there is, um, there is some demon possession, we see. And listen, it's real. We, we cannot discredit demons and possessions, right? We don't necessarily see a lot of that here, right? Maybe with our own eyes, but other places around the world, man, this is a real thing where people are um, possessed by these demons. Now, they are powerful, yes. They can possess, yes. Are they supreme in their power? No, right? I think Hollywood um, gives them a little bit too much credit, 
right? Because when Jesus shows up on the scene where there's demons, right? They don't like pull up their hands and ready to fight Jesus. When Jesus rolls up to the scene and there's demons, they start shaking. They, they drop down because they know Jesus is over all things. And so just a little disclaimer there, right? We'll, we'll get into it. When Jesus shows up, demons, uh, they don't fight. Jesus tells them to shut up. They listen and they run away, right? Um, so it's real. We can't, just, we can't just ignore it. It's in the Bible. It's in life. But that's what uh, we're going to be going through. So a little bit of context. Um, here's what's happening. Jesus comes down from this mountain. He looks out, sees a crowd of people, sees his disciples, sees um, um, some, some scribes, religious leaders, right? They're arguing back and forth. And then he, he does what any natural person would do as there's just a bunch of chaos happening. He goes, hey, what is happening? right? Now, I don't know what kind of school you grew up in. I grew up in the West Coast in a ghetto town, Modesto, right? Um, where in school, if you see a large group of people and there's yelling, what's actually going, what's happening over there? There's a fight, right? So you got to run over, either jump in or just watch, right? Like you got to, you got to see what's happening. That's what Jesus does. He runs over. He says, hey, what is happening? What are you guys arguing about? And in this setting, we see a father step out of the crowd and he begins to plead with Jesus. So let's pick up Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 22. Someone from the crowd answered Jesus, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Jesus replied to him, You unbelieving generation. How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the father from childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into the fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Listen, every single one of us have felt what this father has feeling. Maybe you don't have a demon-possessed kid, but we've all been in those seasons of life where we are trying to navigate through what seems to be a roller coaster of life where at one moment we're high on the mountain and everything is good. We feel close to God. We feel close to believers and, and brothers and sisters in the faith. But then all of a sudden life does what we all know life does. So it's just right back down into the valleys. So everyone in this room either has been through or is currently facing some kind of challenge or some kind of uncertainty that has left you or maybe you're feeling right now hopeless. I, like, I, I don't see how this is going to change kind of moment. And, and that's what this father is, is, is feeling. This father has seen this boy, his son, be possessed and controlled by this demon his whole life. He has watched this demon taking his son's ability to speak and to hear. He's, he's watched this thing throw his son down and, and, and have like these seizures that takes place. Now listen, um, I, like I said, I've never preached this before. I never preached on Mark 9. But as I, I'm a father now, right? I have two daughters. Okay, one's um, three, one's about 10 months old. And so as I was reading and studying this week, I got to this point and I thought, man, listen, I've seen this before. Right, like everything the son's doing, I've seen this before, right? The father described his son as, as you know, he, he doesn't listen, right? He's not speaking, throws himself down, rolls around on the floor, grinding his teeth, right? 
And I was like, man, my daughter does this when she's tired, right? Like this is like, this isn't demon possession, right? She needs a nap and like an applesauce packet, right? Some goldfish or some like veggie straws, right? But then you read the next part where the father said, then there's times where this demon has tried to kill my son, where, where he has thrown my son into the fire, tried to drown him in the water. And so when, when I thought about that, this father, for who knows how long, most of this kid's life has been on 24-hour watch, ha- has to constantly be thinking about what is this demon going to do with my son? And his father has done everything. Like, like he's tried and, and done everything that he can to heal his son. And then, and we know as we've been going through Mark, word of Jesus has been going around. Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been feeding thousands of people with a little bit of food. He's been actually casting out demons. He's been doing all this miraculous work and word gets around. And so when this father, I don't know, we don't know how he hears about Jesus, but he knows, man, Jesus is there. And if I can just get to Jesus, maybe he can heal my son. And so I can hear like the exhausted heartbeat of that father start to beat a little bit faster as he approaches this mountain. But think about the context. Remember, Jesus was on the mountaintop. He had a few disciples with him, but most of his disciples were down at the bottom. And if we read a few chapters before this, Jesus commissioned his disciples, told them, hey, listen, I'm giving you power to do ministry. I'm giving you power to literally cast out demons. So go, go do ministry. So think about this, all put it together. This father comes, he hears about Jesus. He shows up to the mountain and Jesus isn't there, but his disciples are. And in his mind, listen, if I can just get now my son to these guys, they will heal my son. And listen, I don't know the process, right? Like I went to East Texas Baptist University where I got my degree. I'm doing online like seminary classes. David's like way ahead of me. I don't think they teach classes on how to cast out demons, right? Like I don't know the process. If there's a textbook on Amazon about how to cast out demons, don't buy that, right? Like save your money. Like I don't think there's a true process here. But these guys, these disciples, here, here's the father brings his son to these men. They go through their demon casting process. And when they tried, they couldn't do it. They failed. Like, can you imagine the heartache that the father was feeling in that moment? Can you imagine the disappointment and the thoughts rushing through his head? And there is no hope that this will never end. There's, there's no way around it. Nothing can be done. I mean, you hear that when he tells Jesus, these guys tried and they couldn't. But if you can do anything, if you can do something, I mean, will you have compassion? Can, could you help us? Now, what, what I want you to see in this very moment here is that even though the, the disciples failed, even though they failed to do the healing for, their, for this man's son, what did he do? He still went to Jesus. 
even in the hurt, even in the hopelessness and the, and the feeling that nothing can be done, he could have easily picked up his son, went back home angry and bitter at Jesus for not being at that spot. He could have been angry and mad that they didn't get things right and that his son is still messed up. He could have been angry and bitter, but instead he's heard Jesus's voice, saw him and said, listen, they couldn't do it, but if you can do something, if you can do anything, would you please have compassion? He didn't try to, to, to cover his anger or his emotions. He was honest and said, Jesus, if there's anything that you can do, do it. Now, listen, like I said, none of us have a demon-possessed kid, maybe an angry kid, right? A little hungry kid who needs some goldfish. But all of us has had at some point in our life moments like this where life was just bringing us to our knees, humbling us, and making us realize, man, we need something greater than ourselves if we want something to actually change in our life. The Bible teaches there is no escaping valleys, right? We, there's, there's no way to get around them. Psalm 23 tells us that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? So, so this is not about like getting away from bad things happening. Life happens, bad things happen. And what you do with that matters. This father thought his biggest need was I need to get my son healed and freed from this demon. But here's what the valleys of life do to us, right? Those valleys, those hard seasons that we can't escape, we have to go through them. What they do is they show us what our actual and deepest need really is. The father thought if I can get my son freed from this, everything will be okay. Now let's pause on the father for a minute. Same story, that's the father and his son. Let's look at these disciples for a moment. Think about them. Put yourself in their shoes, right? They have been in ministry training with Jesus for like several, several months now. They've been following Jesus. He's been inviting them in to do ministry with them. They've watched him heal people, cast out demons, walk on water, uh, um, do all these miraculous things. And, and Jesus isn't just saying, hey, watch me do this. He's showing them this is what you do. And like I said, he, he literally a few chapters before this commissioned them, say, hey, you guys now have power uh, to go and, and do this, right? You can cast out demons. So put yourself in their shoes. They're in a large crowd. We got scribes who are like their, their, their haters at just kind of follow them around and hate on them. And then here comes a father and a son who's demon possessed and their minds are like, man, it's game day. This is what we've been training for. Jesus is on the mountain. Let's cast this demon out. Everyone's going to be hyped up. Jesus is going to come down. He's going to be proud of us. Let's do this. And then, like I said, I don't know the process. They begin to do their thing with this, this son and this demon, but they couldn't get it done. They couldn't do it. They failed. And on top of them failing, not just to help this kid, right? I actually do ministry, heal this kid. But on top of that, they got these scribes who are saying, look, you guys have no power. Which means the guy that you follow isn't who he says he is. And now everyone is just riled up and they feel like failures. Like I said, Maybe, I don't know, your life, right? I've never had an opportunity to cast out a demon. Maybe you have, right? But every single one of us have, try, have found ourselves in a, in a situation where we tried to fix it. Where, where we said, listen, if I can just get this done, if 
I can just do this and, and, and move over here and get that job, then financially we're good. If I can just get a date night, then we, like our communication would be better. If I can just fix this, go to this doctor, if I can just handle all of these things in, in my own power, in my own wisdom, then it'll be okay. But when we try to take on life in those valleys on our own, in our own power, on our own strength, we quickly find out that our efforts aren't good enough. Because maybe you can pull yourself up to the mountaintop, but guess what? You can't stay there forever. You will hit another valley. These disciples, these disciples, man, they had a bigger need than just not being able to cast out a demon. The father, he had a bigger need than just getting his son to be healed. Both parties tried everything they could in their own power, but both of them had failed. The problem that the disciples had and the father had boiled down to there is a faith issue going on and Jesus was about to address it. So let's look at the next verse, verse 23 through 24. Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus said to them, this is his response to the father who said, listen, if you can do anything, here's Jesus's response. If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes and immediately the father of the boy cried out i do believe help my unbelief i I do believe jesus i came here for you i believe but help my unbelief there's a part of me that wants to believe but there's another part of me that i just don't see anything possible happening for the good of my son I, have, I believe, but help my unbelief. And what I love about this moment, right? I think it's so easy for us to just read the Bible and not put ourselves, like our emotions and like kind of see like what was actually going on. Like this is heartache. This is a father saying, I, I, I want to believe with everything, but there's just a part of me that doesn't. He's being real. He's not being fake. He's being honest with Jesus. And I love his response. Jesus sees this man. He knows what is going on in his heart. He knows the pain, he knows the doubts, he knows the fear. But Jesus knows that more than anything, this father doesn't just need his son healed, this father needs to be assured that his faith in Jesus is true. That this father can trust in Jesus, that those guys might have failed, but Jesus never will. And so he looks at Jesus and he sees a little, he he looks at this father and he sees a little bit of faith and he sees a lot of doubt surrounding that faith. But Jesus sees that little faith and he says, listen, if you just believe in me, anything is possible. The biggest need for this this dad was, was a faith and doubt issue. It was a faith and doubt issue. And what you need to understand about faith, faith doesn't hinge on our abilities. Faith doesn't hinge on us being powerful or being wise and making good decisions. Faith doesn't hinge around our success. It doesn't, faith doesn't even hinge around the outcome of whatever circumstance you're in, right? It's not like we look at God and go, God, here's my faith. I go to church. I do all these things. Here's the bad thing in my life that I can't seem to figure out. So look at all the stuff I'm doing for you. Now fix that. And if you do, I'll still have faith in you. But if you don't, I'm out of here. That's not faith. That is not faith. Faith doesn't hinge on our circumstances or our outcome. Faith is not about us and what we can do to fix whatever that thing is. Faith is centered on our trust in God and who he is and what he can do. Even if we doubt, real faith says, I trust in God. 
no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the outcome is, I trust in God. And the misconception about faith is that when life hits and the valleys get dark, when things aren't working and prayers aren't being answered, our, our, our minds uh, begin to doubt and, and doubt starts creeping in. We start thinking that something is wrong with us. Can I tell you something about doubt? Say yes. Listen, doubt is not a sin, okay? Doubt is not a sin in and of itself. It's what you do with that sin that matters. Doubt in and of itself is not a sin. Faith, having faith isn't like we just ignore and pretend bad things aren't happening, right? That's called foolishness. Doubt is not a sin. Faith isn't about like faking it till you make it. It's not ignoring the hurt. It's not ignoring the doubts and the questions. Faith is the opposite. Faith is, God, here are my doubts. Here are my questions. Here's what's going on. I can't figure it out, but I'm trusting in you. My faith is in you. I believe. So church family, listen, God knows what's going on in your heart. I don't know what you're going through. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit, but God knows. He knows your questions. He knows your fears. He knows the doubts that you have. And that doesn't make you a lesser of a Christ follower. But if you bury those questions and you bury those doubts and you're not real with them and take them to Jesus, those doubts will start to overshadow your faith. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Take that little bit of faith in God and give it to Jesus. The father said, I have come to you, Jesus. I'm here with my son and I came here for you. I believe, but help my unbelief. It reminds me of Matthew 17, 20 through 21. You guys probably know this. Jesus said, I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Just a little faith of a mustard seed. If you have that much faith, you can tell a mountain move and it will move, right? I don't know if you've ever tried that. I want to try that in the roundabouts when like people don't get it right, like move that car, right? Like get out of my way, right? But what is Jesus saying? When you find yourself with more doubt than faith, Jesus has the ability to take that little bit of faith, push through the doubt and anything is possible when you take that little bit of faith and place it in his hands. Anything is possible with a little bit of faith. And this is what we see next. Look at Mark chapter nine, verse 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a corpse so that many said he is dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him and stood him up. I mean, can you, can you imagine this moment? for this father, right? Remember, this isn't Hollywood. There was no battle. Demons possessed the kid. Jesus said, get out. They listened. They listened. Jesus shows, I am the one in charge. He speaks, they run, the boy is free. And listen, for the first time in years, this father was able to breathe. Can you imagine that? He was able to know my son is okay. 
But what Jesus proved to this man was not that, that his, his greatest need wasn't for his son to be healed, but it was bigger than that. For this father, his greatest need was faith. Not necessarily more faith. What the father needed was to take the little bit of faith that he had and place it in the right place. Not in himself and his abilities, not in the disciples, right? Not in man that, 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 you know, that failed him ultimately, but to take that little bit of faith and place it in the right place when Jesus Christ. A little bit of faith, amen, run to Jesus with it. And the next thing that he does is, is now we, we see this father, meet, Jesus meets his greatest need, right? Heals the boy, but his greatest need was, man, listen, put your faith in me and I got you. But then he looks at the disciples and look at what he says here. Verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 28 through 29. After he'd gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, right? You ever fail a test and you didn't want to talk to the teacher in front of the whole class? You had to like go to her, her office afterwards and be like, hey, can I get some extra credit work or something, right? Like, what happened? This is what the disciples did. They failed the test, right? They failed the demon casting test. So they go to Jesus in private and they ask him, why couldn't we drive it out? verse 29 he told them this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer these disciples they they want to know why did we fail like what could we have done better like what did we miss a step like what what did we do wrong and what i love about jesus is he is so real with these men right literally i don't know if you caught it but earlier when we read in the first couple of verses jesus looks at them and says how much longer do i have to put up with you right like Y'all got somebody like that in life? Or like, man, how much longer do I have to like be around you? You just don't get it. Anybody got one of those cousins that just shows up and you're like, dude, get out of here. Anybody know? Am I the only one? I got a, like, got, got a cousin named Bob. There's like, if you're the cousin named Bob, I'm sorry. Right? But how many of you are thankful that we serve a God who when we don't get it right the first time, he extends grace. And then when we don't get it right the second time, he extends mercy. And then the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time, like, I don't know about you, for me, sometimes it takes seven, eighth, ninth times before I finally realize that Jesus is trying to like teach me something, right? I know I'm not alone in here. Jesus looks at these guys. They said, how, like, what did we do wrong? Maybe we missed a step and Jesus was very clear with them. They not only lacked the faith like, their, like the father of that boy, but they lacked prayer in their lives. Because here's the deal, when our, when our faith is lacking, prayer is the thing that builds it back up. Jesus said, listen, you don't pray enough. And what Jesus is essentially saying is, hey, your deepest need isn't another step. It isn't a process. Your deepest need is you don't live close enough in connection with God. You, you, you're not as connected to God as you need to be. These men, listen, they had the gift. God gave, Jesus said, listen, you can go cast out demons now but they lack the prayer and the connection to God to actually use that gift. And listen, like in a humbly way, like I've been preaching since I was 12. I know God has given me that gift. He's given me that calling. But if I'm just up here preaching without praying daily, without connecting to God on a daily basis, what's gonna happen to my life is I'll be a man known for saying words, but not with power and never see true transformation. 
But if I stay connected to the Father, if I stay in connection with him through daily prayer and being in his presence, then he will use my gift, not Donnie Delacruz, he will use my gift that he's given me to bring him glory and to bring about change. And what you need to realize, you as a Christ follower, God has given you gifts and they're different than mine. And that's the beautiful thing about the church. But if you're not daily connecting with God through prayer, sitting in his presence, you will be known as a Christian who followed Christ but did nothing with the things that Jesus gave you. And you will leave zero legacy behind for the kingdom of God, but maybe do amazing things in this world, but only for your kingdom and not his. If, we don't be, if we're not connected daily to, to God through prayer, we will miss this, this power line that we have from him. And if you're not getting power from God on a daily basis, you will go through those valleys and you will get depleted and you will get exhausted because you're operating on your power and your wisdom and your strength. And even if you make it through whatever that situation is, you come out on the other side so exhausted and you look at God and go, why don't I feel you in my life? I've prayed, you didn't answer. And God will look at you just as Jesus looked at these disciples when they asked him, how come this didn't happen? And he's gonna respond to you, what power source are you being connected to? And what are you operating with? Your own wisdom and your own power, then that's the outcome you're going to get. For these disciples, he says, you're not connected, you're not praying. Jesus heals this boy and he shows the father and, and he shows his disciples that their greatest need was very simple. They needed more of God in their life. How did Jesus prove that? By showing them the only way we overcome the challenges, the attacks from the enemy, and even our own lack of faith and doubt is by spending more time with God through prayer. And the challenge for us is very simple. Man, listen, we live way too fast. Like we, we, we live exhausted. And can I be real with you? Say yes. I was gonna be real anyways, all right? I didn't need your permission. You don't need more coffee. You don't need a nap. You don't need another pay raise or a different location. You don't need those things. What you desperately need is an active move and a refreshing movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the only way that's going to happen is if you slow down, say no to things that have no eternal value and prioritize spending time in the presence of Jesus for the sole purpose of not getting out of a situation, but for the sole purpose of Jesus, if you don't fill me with your power and your wisdom, I'm not going to make it. Jesus, I don't feel you in my life. I'm praying these things are happening. Here they are. Here's my circumstance. Here's my doubt. Here's my fear. And here's my little bit of faith. Jesus, I'm going to daily connect with you because I need you. Family, listen, if we don't come to that spot in our spiritual walk, we will never be the mature men and women that God created us to be spiritually. And we will end up looking at Jesus and going, why didn't these things happen? And he's going to give us the same answer. You weren't connected to me. 
if you want to be known as a person who no matter what life threw your way, your faith was strong and you walked through that valley with your eyes on Christ and you have to live in the power of God. And so here's, here's my big takeaway from today. I got two things. I just, if you hear anything, hear these two things from me. The strength of your faith is a reflection of your prayer life. The, the strength of your faith and how strong your faith is a direct is a direct reflection of your prayer life. No prayer, no daily connection to Jesus equals no power or a little bit of faith. Or a daily connection to Jesus through time of prayer will equal more power, not for you just to do whatever you want, but more power to make it through the valley and do the ministry that God has placed you on this earth to do. How much time are you spending in the presence of Jesus? Prayer matters. And, can, and like, can I, can I like address something? I'm gonna do it. Can I take, I'm gonna take away a prayer that we commonly pray to make it easy for you. I'm gonna take one away so that you can put another one in there. You, know you, know you wanna know what kind of prayer God doesn't really wanna hear? Can I tell you which one? Like when you pray for God, like it, it'll sound something like this. Right, you get some Taco Bell. God blesses food to the nourishment of my body, and and my body to your service. Right, listen. There is nothing in the world that's going to make that Taco Bell a nourishment to your body. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't listen. That's not how prayer works. Okay, like you want nourishment for your body? Don't go to Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? Like, he don't want to hear that one. Right? That's an easy answer of prayer. The answer to that is stop going to Taco Bell. Okay. The prayers that we pray is Jesus, just like this father. I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus, here is the doubt. Here's the hard thing that I can't figure out. Give me wisdom and power to go through this and remind me that you're in there with me. The strength of your faith is a reflection of your prayer life. The strength of our faith is a reflection of who we depend on the most. The strength of your faith is a reflection of who you depend on the most. Most No dependency of, on Jesus shows that when life hits you, you bail. If you don't depend on Jesus and you're in the valley, when life hits you, you do two things. You either bail out of the faith or you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you try everything you can to get out of that situation, to make things right. And what, like, just like I said, when you live life that way, no wonder you're exhausted, but it's not going to work. Dependency on Jesus is what builds your faith and helps you through that season because you know, I can't make it out of this without the help of Jesus. So I fully surrender to him and I lean on him and I don't move unless he tells me to move. The strength of our faith is a reflection of our prayer life and the strength of our faith is a reflection of who you depend on the most. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.